0: Calling.
1: Drive away your worries and cares at this drive-in
2: theater. That's why to familiarize you with the movie rating symbols, which will be used by this theater, we present the following guide for parents and young people. X, no one under seventeen admitted.
1: Alright, so how's your new house, Doctor? Your new new slash old house. Pretty good. Have your neighbors moved in yet?
2: Uh, No, they listed their house for sale. So it's for sale. I believe they've overpriced it. Oh, yeah? Yeah, significantly so. Buy it, knock down the wall in the middle, and then claim both. I wouldn't be claiming it if I bought that. But the problem is I can't buy it at the price they currently have it listed for. Okay, don't buy
3: it. Kick open the door, stick a flag in the floor in the kitchen, and just shriek that you're taking
1: it. I'll try that. You should just make them an offer and be like, look, I'll take it for this price. And then uh, you don't have to worry about it no more.
2: The problem is I can't afford to buy for any reasonable price.
1: No.
3: Tell them them cash only offer. And then whenever they get all horny, then start signing papers. Then you're like, oh, I changed my mind. I don't have the cash. (laughs) (laughs)
2: why am I doing this
1: (laughs) so you could buy it and then rent it out and then try to make it so you don't have to pay any mortgage because
2: Uh, I looked into that but honestly the market has gone absolutely batshit insane around here lately and interest rates are going up at the same time and they're putting in price protections on rent at the same time so I don't think I could buy it and rent it and make a profit.
0: Oh.
2: it's just been it's a weird confluence of events where if I so, so what
3: you're before, saying is you guys have a housing crisis and you guys are actually putting in rent control yeah
2: what doesn't, like that sound
1: doesn't,
3: like yeah it doesn't
2: sound like a thing that happens like like a pussy country well they're not putting in effective I'm um, not putting an effective crowd and like rent controls if that makes you feel any better. People still can't afford to pay their rent. But
1: because down here it's just survival of the fittest,
2: can't pay for it, you're homeless. Deal with it. We actually have an ongoing homeless problem up here as well. well so do we. It's, I mean, I'm sure ours is just not as bad as yours because that's usually just how it turns out. But
3: <laughs> I, since, since I moved to Springfield, like whenever I first moved here, I would see a homeless person every
2: once in a while
3: in the last year like you drive across town and you see 10
2: yeah we actually have like a homeless encampment in one of our parks now where they've just like kind of said like okay you guys can live here for a while i guess and there's just a whole bunch of people that have set up tents there and shit. we did
3: but they kept shutting it down for some reason
2: because I i don't know i guess people being warm is a problem yeah they like to do that it's always a, it's it's weird because they're like well, you, you can't be here and be homeless and they're like well where should we go be homeless then it's like nobody's homeless voluntarily guys
1: <laughs> like, like, you should be homeless in another city so you're not well, our problem
2: why don't you help
1: them instead of doing this to them how else are they going to learn the world's been trying to criminalize
3: poverty for time immemorial yeah let's not talk about that
1: okay should we we talk about some christian slater movies yeah let's do that it is slater september it's a valid point well we're looking at two ensemble cast movies this week
2: wait Uh, say the full theme
1: that apparently have weird anti-semitism built into them
2: right okay that's better (laughs) okay uh (laughs) You can't make a theme of, or, or make us do a theme week that involves anti Semitism and then pretend like you're not going to. <laughs> well, uh, that was not
1: the planned theme. That was just no. a theme that just apparently happened. <sighs> uh, Noah, why don't you tell us about mobsters?
3: Uh, Sure. Mobsters is the. Fictionalized version of the story of uh, Lucky Luciano, who was a gangster around the same time that like Al Capone and those folks were. He was a rum runner. Uh, him and his friends, who we are told over and over again are juice <laughs> because of the anti Semitism theme. Uh, it's basically his, in the movie version, it's this complicated, weird thing where all he wants is revenge against these two mafia bosses, Christian Slater's character, and he, I don't, I don't know, sucks up to both of them in various ways in order to get to them, and then in the end, it just all kind of works out anyway. Yeah,
1: it seemed overly complicated for what the end
2: goal was. It... Yeah, it seemed like a lot of what went on in the movie wasn't connected to the end of the movie. Is that what you're yeah. suggesting? Okay. No, one,
3: no one in the film can do an Italian accent. <sighs> including several actors who are very good actors. So why can't they do an <laughs> Italian
2: I don't, accent? I, I will so tell good. you flat out, like as somebody who's of Italian descent pretty hard to offend me but i was a little offended at times what they were doing in this movie <laughs> uh, <laughs> like, to be to be pretending that you're making a serious movie and then to go this far over the top with the stereotypes of italian characters and jewish characters is pretty offensive uh, i'm sure that if a jewish person watches this they feel the same better. i was gonna and say it's probably awesome. an irish person as well actually <laughs> it's just It's also fascinating that like
3: they seem to be alternating between this is just a movie with a bunch of people in the cast that you're going to come see this movie because these people are in it to we're trying to make a serious mobster movie to we're trying to make like an exploitation esque violent mobster movie. Which throws me off every time it happens because it only happens about three times in this movie where all of a sudden yeah. it gets like hyper violent. And you're like, <laughs>
2: what the fuck kind of yeah. switch is this? Well, what happens here is that you, um, you have a year after Goodfellas comes out. You have somebody with an idea for like we can make a cool mob movie based on a true story. And then you go and you get a director whose IMDb highlights that he is best known for his work on the Red Shoe Diaries, and you end up with this. <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> that's that's. What, I mean, I, I I wasn't in the boardroom when the decisions were made, but that's what happened yeah. here. Somebody was like, "What move? What scripts do we have that are, you know, we can do something Goodfellas esque?" And they came up with this idea. Somebody said like, "Well, obviously, either had written a script or wrote a script about these." This group of guys coming together to form this mafia because that's a good way to do it. They get hot young stars in it because, like, it's like the DC of the era where they're like, just put all the things people like in it, and then people will like it. Who cares if it's crap? Like, that's those kids love that Richard Grieco. Somebody <laughs> call him up. Richard Richard, Richard Grieco a hot ticket. It's yeah, it's it's not a very good movie um it's
3: that it's just hasn't been any violence in 10 minutes put a random tit in this movie (laughs)
2: yeah like the sex scenes are straight out of red shoe diaries that's why 13 year old me stayed up late on friday nights um so they're fine but then there's just everything just has this feel of it like it's made for television and you're like it shouldn't be like it shouldn't feel that way. It's it, like it looks period authentic, and you have big name actors. Well, why Amanda, is this coming uh, across as a TV show?
1: Uh, I can tell you why because Amanda asked me if it was uh, a TV movie, and I said no. It's because about every ten minutes they fade out of one scene and fade into another scene. Yeah,
2: she's like, "Why is there built-in breaks in this?" I'm That's like, I have good, no idea. Yeah, you're right, and and the thing is it. The scenes didn't feel connected, if that makes sense. It felt like just a bunch of shit happening. Like, there's a a scene in the middle of this movie where, like, it's it's the Bugsy Seagull character is like arguing with another mobster over who's better at killing people. And that never comes up again. Like, this is the fact that he kills a lot of people is largely irrelevant plot wise. Mm -hmm. So, why did we dedicate this scene? in the middle of the movie to him arguing about who's better at killing people. It doesn't make yeah. any goddamn sense, but they did it. So yeah.
1: I think don't we only see him kill like one
2: person. Yeah. Very few. Like we see him like, kill. like there's a few shootouts where you can presume that he kills people, but there's, yeah, I think only the one moment where you see him just absolutely lay into a guy, but then you get that weird moment where he gives that speech about how like you got to stab him in certain spots. So the body won't float back up and shit. And you're like, that is really dark and disturbing. And in a movie that warranted it, would be a cool discussion to have. But in the middle of this weird movie, to just insert things like that doesn't feel right.
3: Instead, we get like that scene where assassins try to kill Mad Dog, and he fucking bites off a guy's nose yeah. and cuts out another yeah. guy's tongue. And
2: like I said, that comes out of fucking nowhere. Out of nowhere. It was just insane and there's and there's like there's just like you said three four moments like that in the movie that just stand
3: out and and, like the christian the christian slater torture scene where he gets his face cut and it is straight up like horror gore where you like see the guy pushing the flap of skin back with a razor blade like and then the fucking the scene where mad dog dies and christian slater shoots him 195 fucking times at (laughs) point blank
2: range and it shows every bullet impact it if if those moments if i found them on youtube and watched it i would definitely track down the movie that they're from and watch the movie
3: right Um, you would think you would think you were gonna get a different movie
2: yeah and it's it's very strange and discombobulated and, and not just like we're, we're talking about thematically. It feels uh, disconnected, but plot wise is the same thing is like things happen. And then you're just like, why, how is that connected at the end? At the end when he gathers all the mafia bosses and he's like, why don't we all work together now? And you're like, there has been no indication in this movie that that was the end goal in my mind. No. Like no indication that his goal here was to unite all these different mafia families into one conglomerate or whatever. And all of a sudden it just happens. And you're like, see, mission accomplished. And you're like, that was the mission. I didn't know that was the mission. No one (laughs) told me. Yeah, I was going to say,
3: because the way they play it in the movie is that. Lucky Luciano, so Christian Slater's character is just completely fucking self-serving and while he won't just outright murder his good friends to get ahead, he is purely motivated by self-interest, yeah which makes the
2: ending weird because all of a sudden at the end, it's like and again, had there you could write a story like I have no idea I don't know the details of their true story enough to know what's real and what isn't in this but you could write a story where he's self-serving and shit and throughout these different types of battles and inter mob wars learns that hey we need to all work together and ends with him presenting this idea to them going like look we've been killing each other for years why don't we all call a truce and work together and he takes over as overall leader that you could do that there's nothing wrong with telling a story that way it's just they didn't do that
1: no no I feel
2: like there was just like a lot of lost potential in this movie.
1: Yeah.
3: Yeah. I mean, at the, at the end of the day, it's a whole bunch of talented
2: people making a bad movie. Yeah. It's, it's some talented actors and they just needed a talented writer and director, which they didn't seem to have. That's my take on it. Cause we, like we were chatting about this online earlier and, You were complaining about the accents, and my response was, well, you can't blame the actors when all of them are giving a bad performance. All these guys who have given good performances in other movies are giving a bad performance here. Something's going on on set that's preventing good performances from being made. Yeah, It's it's the Red Shoe Diaries guy going, more tits, put more tits in. (laughs)
3: it's did, did you guys like christian, christian when the, slater comes in with a spot on italian accent the director's like what the fuck is that that's not how <laughs> 1930s italians talk say say bibbity googity.
1: is like here i'll give you a line reading you say i speak of this italian
2: but <laughs> one irish cop at the beginning too when they were they were setting everything up by showing how the Jewish guys and the Italian guys have to live on different streets and the Irish cops patrol both or whatever. That Irish cop was like laughably bad. It was like, like, I, you're not supposed to laugh out loud at any point in this movie. Nothing funny is meant to happen, but that moment made me laugh out loud. He's just, he's calling them racial slurs, but I'm laughing because it's such a bad Irish accent. <laughs> Uh,
1: What do we think of Patrick Dempsey in this movie?
2: He sure was in it. (laughs) I still don't understand. Okay, so that character, the whole idea is like, he's the the Jewish guy and he's friends with Lucky Luciano, who's Christian Slater. And they're going to work together. And that's how this whole idea of working together with different groups kind of starts at the beginning, right? And... At some point, there's a conversation between the two of them where they're like, OK, Lucky's got to be the leader because people expect the leader of like a mafia group to be an Italian guy. It can't be the Jewish guy. But they sort of agree, like behind the scenes, we're even we're we're running this together. Mm-hmm. But up front, it's got to be you. Right. Mm-hmm. And like, I have no idea if they were still partners after that or if Lucky Lucky Luciano was the leader and that other guy was taken uh like a second in command role or, or what the hell was going on? Like I, I didn't, I still don't know after watching the whole movie, if the intention there was to have one character take over as the leader or whether the intention was to have him be the figurehead. And even at the end of the movie, I don't know.
1: Yeah. I had a point. I completely forgot what it was. Okay. Uh, it also seems weird that like their plan at the end for Patrick Dempsey's character is remember we said you look like an accountant once <laughs> we're going to make you look like an accountant. <laughs> you know, just, it's, you're going to walk into the guy's office who you've seen like a million times. Yeah. Well, we're just going to put
2: a mustache on you and you'll be fine. And it's, it's literally, it's the only thing from earlier in the movie that actually seems to pay off in a, in a, in a rational way. But it's so dumb because the whole idea is that these guys got audited by the irs once but they're so good at covering up their crimes and stuff that the irs found nothing despite being there for 18 hours as if 18 hours is a long audit of a big business <laughs> right. but um whatever so okay so that happens so then they are like well these guys are so confident that if you show up and pretend to be an irs guy they'll just let you right in because they don't care if the irs comes that's the setup? And then you send a guy that they've met before, like, uh, with a fake mustache on, like, hey, uh, I'm uh, Patrick Dempsey's brother who works for the IRS. Can I please come in here? <laughs> and they're just like, yeah, whatever. It's it's bad. I have no idea if any element of that, again, it might be there might be some truth to it, and it's just told in a poor way, or I'm not sure what's going on, but... It, it was not good. It's not a compliment to the film that that happened. No, it was terrible. I just
1: remember turning and being like, "What? <laughs> That's their yeah. plan?" I mean, I'm surprised they
3: weren't suspicious that these guys clearly aren't Italian.
1: <laughs> <laughs> They're about as Italian as fucking uh, Brad Pitt was in Inglorious Bastards.
3: Me Honestly, is-
2: yeah.
3: Hey, a guy's me Italiano. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: It really, yeah. You know. It's a me, Christian Slater. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I, I mean, let's get back to the casting of this movie because these are not guys you cast as serious hardcore mobsters. That was a mistake no. right from the get go. Yeah. Like, I like I like Christian Slater in most things. We there's a reason why we dedicate one month most years to him. <laughs> um, it's but like I, it's because we made a joke <laughs> once. It felt like we had to follow through. <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's correct. But, you know, we, um, I like him in most of the things we've talked about. He's just miscast in this. He's not a New York mobster. It, why would he be? Like he, first of all, even like at the end, they do nothing to age him up either. So he looks, looks the same at the beginning as he does yeah. being in, at the end. And in the beginning, he's playing like a 16-year-old kid who lives at home with his parents. And at the end, he's supposed to be playing this like hardened mafia leader. And he hasn't changed at all. <laughs> he changed his clothes. That's it. And it's like, I don't know. You don't put him in this role. Like, you, what could Christian Slater do to make it this believable? There's nothing. He's not... He's not that person. And that it's goes okay. for, like, basically
1: they're gonna, everybody. They're going to carve an L into his cheek, and it'll be all right. Yeah. It'll toughen him up. Until, like, the very next scene, you're like, wait, does he have a scar on his cheek? I can't even see it. I, yeah, I couldn't see it.
2: He kind of came and went a few times. Yeah. <laughs> the only one that kind of, like, looks the part is Crego. I guess. Kind of, like, looks the, the part of, like, a tough, but he's still... <laughs> Except, except that he's wearing like he's got his
3: eyebrows dyed and he's wearing fucking eyeshadow because he's fucking Richard Grieco.
2: Yeah, like okay, I, yeah, he's still miscast. It's just that in a picture, he might like, <laughs> like the part. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's it wasn't I mean, a good idea. He looks to
3: get... he looks mildly Italian because he is in fact mildly Italian.
2: <laughs> 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 uh. Is he Italian or Greek? Do you think he's Greek because his name's Greco? Is that how you think they name that's, people? I don't know. That's what I was wondering. I'm like, did I get his name wrong? I hope I hope that he's Italian and that you, you're just slightly racist against Greek people. And you think if it has Greek in your name, that makes that's how they determine if you're Greek or not. I have no idea. Just
1: Google it. What chanality is it's Giordrigo?
2: It's first of You're, all, if you are now on a list of some, kind. <laughs> if, if Google has an answer to that, it's problematic. And if that answer is American, it's even funnier. Well, I got the, I got the question wrong. First of all, okay.
1: Uh, I should have said what ethnicity is Richard Grieco?
2: Okay. Yes. That's but, but Google, Google had my back and they had it ready. So <laughs> they did. They correct it the question for you. Like, did you uh, yeah. mean this? Come on.
1: Yep. They just had it ready. And he was born in New York. But he is of Italian and Irish descent. Okay, so fair enough. Yeah. So his name is my call
3: of vaguely Italian was exactly <laughs> correct.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, people would be like Noah, uh, that's a little racist. And Richard Grieco would be like, no, actually, that's that's that's, that's bullseye right. is what that is. <laughs> well, he's <laughs> like, well, well, shit. How did you know my parents are both O'Reillys?
2: <laughs> Uh, I don't know. So You know, we guys want to know a funny story about this movie. When sure. I was a kid and when I was a kid and it came out, I wanted to see it right. Like 1991. I'm like the right age to want to go see mobster movies in the theater, whatever I was like 12. And I remember asking my dad if I could go see it and he's like, nah, you wouldn't like it. It's like too much dialogue. And I like, I shrugged it off. Like, cause I think, I think it was like, you had to have a parent with you to go see it at that point. So I'm like, I guess I can't see the movie. And I just completely forgot about the movie until now and finally watched it. And just as I was starting to watch it, I realized, oh, that's a stupid reason to not take a kid to a movie. But I didn't think there was too much dialogue. He clearly just saw a trailer and refused to go see this movie and made <laughs> up an excuse. And that's what was running through my head as this movie started I was like, how bad must the trailer have been? For my dad to just refuse to take me. My dad took me to see Navy SEALs, for God's sakes, around the same Ooh, time. Navy I'll,
3: tell you, seals. I'll tell you what, and that's <laughs> mildly disappointing because that age is a, probably about the age where you could have really enjoyed this movie because it's got just enough boobs and violence to be like,
2: yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm, and you wouldn't, I don't know, I'm wondering. I was very pretentious at a young age, but I'm wondering if maybe I wouldn't have noticed just how made-for-TV the overall feel of this movie is.
3: <laughs> You're uh, furiously writing a letter to the director. Your <laughs> use of fades, sir. But but what was the just, lowest quality.
2: Ultimately, was your dad correct? Was there too much talking in it? There wasn't too much talking. There was not good enough talking. That's my take on it. Right. It was, um, yeah, like if the dialogue had been better, I wouldn't have minded all the talking. I, I, we got to kill this guy. It just, yeah. It, if they'd been saying interesting things and if I'd felt like the dialogue in one scene was leading naturally into the dialogue of the next scene, I think I would have. Been okay with because you can do a mob movie. We've talked about like these sudden bursts of violence. You can do a mob movie like that and be very effective. Many mob movies yeah. do that, right? It's a lot of behind the scenes negotiating. It's a lot of like guys trying to be intimidating, and then when the time comes, you got to go out there and fuck somebody up to prove your point, right? That's kind of a tradition in mob movies. But in this one, it just felt like completely like the items from separate movies. It was weird.
3: Well, and so Christian Slater has an issue that I think I've I've come to grips with. Christian Slater only actually plays two characters. He he plays charming good Christian Slater and charming bad Christian Slater. <laughs> yeah. And that's and that's it. And then and in movies where that's an acceptable role, you're you convince yourself that he's great because you're like, Yeah, he no, he put in such a great performance. But what you're really just saying is Yeah, Christian Slater's real good at being Christian Slater. Oh, yeah. yeah. And you put him in a movie like this, and you're like, what the fuck Christian Slater doing in 1930s New York? It's like,
1: wait a minute. This movie would have been better if he started breaking the fourth wall like in cuffs.
2: (laughs) 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 What if he started, like, faking a bunch of people's suicides? He already had the trench coat on like in Heathers, so. Oh, yeah, see? It's all, uh. It's all interconnected when you think about it. The Slater verse. <laughs> I was going to say, uh, it's going to be very uh, uh,
1: uh, present in the next movie. <laughs>
3: all of all of this time, Christian Slater's entire career has actually been like an out an art house rendition of him doing a unofficial sequel to uh, Quantum Leap. And
0: it's <laughs> Christian Slater
3: <laughs> leaping from one movie to a next, hoping that the next leap will be like, leap home.
2: Christian Slater came into the uh the common the into pop culture at a time when many, many people were getting famous for just doing the same thing in every movie. I mean his career mirrors Arnold Schwarzenegger's in many ways, Who has still never acted a day in his life. (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) The only thing he ever acted as was governor. Um, it's, (laughs) and and that's fine. Like it's, there are movies where that's perfectly acceptable and it's sometimes makes it better. Sometimes watching, you know, a movie with a, a Christian Slater in it is better because you don't have to get to know that character. You can, Go into it feeling like you already know them a bit and you know what to expect from them and stuff like that. So that's great, but this is not that kind of movie. This is a historical drama about real life people. You have to get actors in there who are capable of playing those real life people. And they just chose not to do that. But if yeah.
3: so here's the thing. I I posit to you guys this. You take the actor from Saved by the Bell who played <laughs> Zach Morris. Okay. And you put him playing Zach Morris into any role that Christian Slater has ever been in. And it fundamentally does not change
2: that movie. Oh, I think it does. I think they're different kinds of charming and different kinds of evil. I think so.
3: I think they're yeah. snarky, camera spiking weasels, essentially.
2: There's an element of truth to what you're saying. No one's denying that. But. <laughs> I think the the snark is a different snark. Mm-hmm. Interview with a vampire.
1: We start yeah. Getting yeah, the I vamp- yeah, I don't we think, just, think it does anything. We start getting to like the, where he's the guy's confessing to be a vampire. They just be like time out and then stop <laughs> and have a little conversation with the camera about what's going on. And then the vampire bites him anyway. Yeah. He's like, your magic doesn't work on me. <laughs> yeah, pathetic, <laughs> me? pathetic, mortal. All right.
2: <laughs> let's,
1: All right.
2: Should let's we, not get into these hypotheticals.
1: <laughs> should we? <laughs> should we have anything else to say about
2: mobsters? I don't. I don't think it's worth a watch. Quite frankly, uh, that'd be my really. response. Is I don't. I don't see why anyone would want to sit down and watch that. Unless you like it, it.
3: I don't know. Maybe it's worth. It might be worth a watch just for those three moments of unexpected hardcore violence.
2: Yeah
1: find super cut on uh, youtube's yeah i was gonna say maybe maybe it would be
3: better just to watch it on youtube although i think it loses its effect if you haven't been watching 30 minutes of boring ass fake italian accents and then all of a sudden it dude (laughs) bites a guy's
2: fucking nose off do you guys remember the part where they like set up a fucking like a sting operation where they were gonna like trick one of the other mobs into attacking one of their trucks so that they could ambush them and Kill a bunch of guys and like show how tough they were, mm-hmm. and then like the Greco character kills one of the guys and everybody flips out on him. He <laughs> killed one of the guys, but you just had like a thirty-minute shootout where you were firing Tommy guns blindly at the other side and having no idea who you were going to hit. So that guy could have been killed at any point during that shootout, but they just lose it on the Greco character for killing him afterwards, and you're like, why? It's like, what are you thinking? <laughs> what are you thinking killing the guys we were just shooting at after we shot at them a whole bunch? It, yeah I, I don't know that made sense oh, i don't know why i brought that up I mean, there's just, that was just that was another part of the movie it was bad so well even when it was
1: happening like okay richard Grieco's driving oh there's a car in the road bunch of people start shooting and then he starts shooting and i'm like okay now he's shooting a flare gun i'm like what's the fucking plan here Just drive until they kill you and then let us know so we can pop out and surround everybody. Yeah, that was the
2: plan. There was a a lot of action movie logic in this, too, which like where there was like the big shootout and anybody who had plot armor could just stand up and fire back and not get hit by the flying bullets. (laughs) And it's like there's like four guys with Tommy guns. Like, I know those things aren't the most accurate shooting things in the world, but if they're just unloading bullets. You can't just stand there and take that and hope like heck that they don't miss. It's it's insane. Like Christian Slater has a moment too where there's like they get attacked like in a car and he just gets out with like a handgun and he's just like taking on guys with these big machine guns and it's like there's like again there's like a whole bunch of them just firing machine guns like, like everybody on that street would have been hit by a bullet including the Christian Slater. After-
3: after mad dog kills his girlfriend he goes to murder him and he has the complete drop on him and apparently he's a pretty good shot because he shoots the phone out of the guy's hand yeah and then does a cool line like i just want to make sure i have your attention and then proceeds to miss the guy 500
2: times
1: <laughs> right man it's like why did he just shoot him instead of shooting the phone
3: Right. I would have shot him in the dick. Nobody's ah, going to cool. run away after they've been shot in the dick.
2: Oh. Just want to bring up RoboCop again. Christian Slater's not even in it. Yeah. Let's stop this podcast so we can hey. just go watch RoboCop. Although Christian Slater does get his balls
1: destroyed in the next movie. Speaking of which, Doug, what do you tell us about Very
2: Bad Things? <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, here we go. Um... Uh, <laughs> This movie's a bit insane, so bear with me. But uh, so John Favreau is going to marry uh, Cameron Diaz. So he takes his friends Christian Slater, Daniel Stern, and Daniel Stern's little brother Jeremy Piven, as well as another actor whose name I don't know, but I definitely recognize him. And they go to Vegas, and this is like a precursor to like The Hangover, where they're all just partying way too hard throughout a montage. And then they end up back in their room with a hooker. the
3: hooker. Somehow it's the exact middle point between the bachelor and the hangover. <laughs> so.
2: That's fair. Um, anyways, so Jeremy Piven accidentally kills the hooker because he's having sex. there in the bathroom and he drives her head into the little hook thing on the door where you hang your towel. And proceeds to finish into the body. But that's not I don't know if that counts as plot description or not. You know
3: what? That. I said that I've seen this movie before and I said that out loud when that happened. I was like, oh yeah, he finishes.
2: Ugh. <laughs> it's, anyways. So immediately this is where we find out that Christian Slater is creepy evil Christian Slater in this movie. Because <laughs> he immediately doesn't want to call the police. He just wants to ditch the body. Um, so they all kind of vote and decide they're just going to bury this hooker in the desert instead of calling the police and reporting it as an accident which i i just don't see why it wouldn't have been treated as anything but an accident well Um,
3: they do make they do make a good point of they're all high on cocaine and there's a whole bunch of cocaine now all over the place because dude broke the table that was covered in cocaine so it's in the carpet and shit yeah still
1: i don't know it was the 90s. It's, I think they could have got away
2: with it. It's the 90s, and they're white guys, and they're in Vegas. I think they're fine on the cocaine if they just, oh. like, anyways. So you just say, yeah, the
1: stripper pulled out cocaine. I don't. I didn't understand what was going on. Yeah, I'd never seen cocaine
2: before, so I didn't know what I was doing in the moment. No, and, I would not like to take a blood test, officer. So anyways, um Hotel security shows up because of all the noise. So Christian Slater kills that guy with a corkscrew. <laughs> um, now Almost burying, got away with it. Now they're burying once, two guys in Once the again, in a horrible
3: way, too. Like, because the, the girl dying is like, ooh, shocking. And then Jeremy Piven finishing, you're like, ooh, too much. And then this one, Christian Slater stabs the guy with a corkscrew. And you're like, ooh, killed him. But then they slam the door shut and you hear him like crying and screaming for two and a half minutes door. while he dies. <laughs> it, and you're like,
2: OK, goes, no, too much again. <laughs> it goes on for a long time. Um, so anyways, they buried the bodies in the desert. After chopping them
1: up and putting them in suitcases.
2: Yes, they have to do that. Um, they go home. What happens next? They're all basically freaking out about this whole thing. Meanwhile, Cameron Diaz is in the background freaking out about her upcoming wedding. Just for some reason, she's just a bridezilla in the background of the whole movie. (laughs) Everything's Um, pretty
1: good. Daniel Stern starts cracking like immediately,
2: like as as they're burying the bodies, he's already cracked. Yeah. So like day of the wedding, he's freaking right out. So him and Jeremy Piven get into a screaming match. Uh, So Piven decides he's going to smash his minivan, which seems like an overreaction just because they called each other names. But uh, Stern decides to also stand in front of the uh, Piven's flying car to protect his minivan. Also an overreaction to the situation. So now he's dead. Um, And everybody's still really upset. And everybody's screaming and yelling constantly. So then Stern's wife finds out that... uh, he She finds a note that he had left or a diary or something that kind of includes a confession. So now Christian Slater has to try to kill her. Um, but she bites him in the balls on the way. That's, yeah, I, I can I just, that can
3: I just point out, this is the best scene in the whole movie. Because he just thinks he's going to suffocate this defenseless little girl. And she <laughs> beats the fuck out of him.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, what she say? You picked the wrong woman, or something like that.
3: Yeah.
1: <laughs> and what happens? I'm trying to th- I'm trying
3: to piece together all the insanity in this. Well, film. and then he calls them back with Jeremy Piven's character. He murders Jeremy Piven's character and invents the whole story of that Jeremy Piven's character was into his brother's wife, so he killed his brother and then came onto her, and she rejected him, so he choked her to death and then killed
2: himself. Okay. Yeah. Right. And then we move on to the the wedding scene. Sorry, that first one wasn't at the wedding. It was at the rehearsal dinner. That's when the big argument happened previously. So then at the actual wedding, now Cameron Diaz is in on it. And she ends up killing Christian Slater, which means somebody else has to go and get the fucking wedding rings out of off his corpse because he was the best man this whole time. Um. And then eventually, the last two guys go out into the desert, giant car accident ensues, and they end up in fucking wheelchairs with missing legs and shit, trying to raise Daniel <laughs> Stern's kids, who are show no respect to John Favreau because he has no legs left, so they don't feel like they need to.
0: <laughs>
2: and the movie just ends... With Cameron Diaz having a giant freak out laying in the middle of the street, screaming up into the sky. Yeah, My God, this is is a fucking insane movie. I mean,
3: it's basically a a Shakespeare play, right? I think that's what it's supposed to be. It's it's the tragic comedy of just one bad thing happens and then people's reaction to it cause it just to spiral into destroying everyone's lives.
2: Yeah, it's, it's like, it's a trope in storytelling throughout history of like this idea of like, some little thing happens, you, there's a right way to handle it and a wrong way to handle it. And by picking the wrong way to handle it, you ruin everybody's lives that's involved in the story in any way. And that's basically what happens right down to in this one, they end up like stripping a a leg off of a defenseless dog for some reason. (laughs) (laughs)
3: <laughs> I was getting ready to say you forgot about that that the dog loses away yeah
2: so you know um... I,
3: I don't know I I enjoyed the movie and the fact that so everybody is a caricature and they all have like these single minded motivations. Which just, I don't know, it makes it, it's an, I find it interesting whenever you boil people down to that and then go, okay, now what happens when they all interact? Like Daniel Stern's character is kind of incapable of uh, self-preservation at the expense of others. So he kind of self-destructs immediately and Jeremy Piven's character is almost completely driven by fear and guilt and then christian slater clearly is just into the whole thing i mean that's pretty obvious from the beginning that yeah he sees this as an excuse to kind of let loose his his evil
2: yeah because there's even a moment where he's talking about getting rid of the bodies early on and somebody's like what have you done this before <laughs> like he's like clearly not like thought phased about it. at all yeah, yeah. like And he's also like he's the guy that knew how to get a hooker and knew how to call her directly rather than booking her through her traditional agency so that they could get special treatment and stuff. Like there's something going on with that guy. It's nothing about him is okay. Yeah. Uh, The
3: the other friend, I'm not exactly sure what he's supposed to represent other than just being kind of the weird, quiet guy of the group. I think that's it. He's just a weird, quiet comic relief character. Yeah. John Favre's only motivation is uh, making his wife happy. Yep. And then Cameron Diaz is completely motivated. She's almost like Christian Slater's character. She's just completely motivated by self interest, too. All she cares about is her perfect wedding and yeah. how, how everything affects her.
2: And the thing is, we've seen all of these types of characters in movies before. It's just to put them all in one movie together like this just results in insanity. I, as I was watching this movie, I kept thinking, like, oh, man, a lot of this movie is just people freaking out and screaming at the top of their lungs. Yes. I but and, and, but well, like time, I
3: said, like I said in the discord earlier, I've been having a bad couple of weeks with some job stress and stuff. And watching this movie caused me anxiety oh man like it's just there's something about this movie that it's innately stressful and then if you're already stressed out going into it you're like oh this movie's overwhelming (laughs) it is
1: we should have watched uh every time they scream and yell
2: instead should have watched uncut gems instead you had a heart attack nothing stressful about that (laughs) no but every time they break down screaming and yelling and crying in this movie i'm like it's it's a little too much but it's completely justified given what else has gone on with these characters <laughs> well like it's i keep wanting to think it's too much but it isn't really
3: <sighs> well and it's and it's interesting that from the beginning of the movie to the end of the movie the truth is they just get away with it yeah. they all get away with all of it well which I mean, is insane the amount of evidence and stuff they leave behind along the way you're like good god if this was real life they would be
2: caught so fast but they, um, they, the idea is that they don't get away with it, that everybody who does something wrong for their own reasons ends up paying a price for it, right? Right, right, right,
3: right. I, but you're talking about, like, karmic justice. I mean, like, yeah. the police are never onto them. Not once. Not ever.
2: Four middle-class white guys. That's my response. You think they would have gotten caught? I think four dudes walked
3: into a grocery store and bought shovels suitcases (laughs) and an outrageous amount of cleaning materials. Yeah. Somebody would have said something. Sure.
2: The cops would have gone. Ah, come on. Good old boys like that. I was going to say also
3: a weirdly cleaned hotel room with guests checking out early for no reason. The same day that your security guard goes missing.
2: Well, yeah, the, the the big one is we, we send a security guard to a certain room. Right. He never, which they he never have comes a record back. of. Yeah. He never comes back. And then we don't – the cops don't go question the guys who are staying in the room. <laughs> like, <laughs> you, like, you're not wrong. I'm just – you got to give that – give the movie the idea that they keep getting away with it. Right. And right. everything happens pretty quickly, too. I mean, the movie starts the day of the bachelor party and, and – after the wedding, we don't know that they wouldn't have gotten caught if things had had if the police had, had time with all this, right? Maybe. I mean, technically, That's a couple funny. of them are still alive at the end. I mean, I also love I
3: love the completely unnecessary scene of so after uh, Christian Slater murders the wife. Yeah, there's the scene with Cameron Diaz and John favre meeting up with the lawyer at the will reading. In which he's telling him that apparently just recently they had changed their will so that they got everything. They got the house, the kids, the money, everything. And they were like, okay, well, that sounds good. And he goes, yeah. And he had a $500,000 life insurance policy. And they're like, oh, okay, so we have $500,000 to raise the kids. That's good. And he's like, well, no, he missed one payment. That lapsed. You don't get that. (laughs) And they go, okay, but we get the house. Yeah. And he has an incidental life insurance policy that's 100K. And they're like, okay, so we're back to 500K. And he goes, well, no. The house is <laughs> depreciated. We have to pay off all their credit cards. They have to do this, 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 and this. So you get
1: $14,000. <laughs> Which then Christian Slater feels like he's entitled to some of it.
3: Yeah. <laughs> Christian Slater demands to be paid for all of the murders he's committed that everyone told him not to do.
2: Yeah, that's how Cameron Diaz ends up killing him. Oh, <sighs> fucking insanity. I, I have to say it's insane, but I really enjoyed it. Like I haven't seen this in a while, and it, it, I remember liking it, and I was right to like it because it's just the level of insanity, the the crescendo effect of just things getting crazier and crazier and crazier and crazier, and crazier until it ends with a three-legged dog hopping around a backyard, right. for, while a legless John Favreau chases a kid with a helmet on. Like, well, and I can't
3: so. Tell me what your interpretation of this is. Do you guys think that John Favreau, the way he's talking at the end, because he's talking a little weird. Are they trying to insinuate he's got brain damage? Yes, I believe so. Yes. Okay. That's, how I, that's how
2: I took it. Because I couldn't I mean, tell
3: if it was just him trying to talk softly because he's talking to children or if he was doing a uh, I'm addle brained now thing. <laughs>
1: yeah i got i took it that he yeah has brain damage and then of course his other friend can't say anything because he's got the, the, yeah, control he's a for para, the wheelchair. yeah he's
3: a paraplegic
2: <laughs> and all he does is spin around in his wheelchair just in circles just mildly insensitive to the the wheelchair community out there but it was pretty funny to watch
3: <laughs> oh we left out the part that uh so they're standing up there they realize they don't have the rings and it turns out Cameron didn't actually kill Christian Slater when she beat him in the head repeatedly with the giant Korak because, fuck. Uh, and he's climbing up the stairs to, like, come get them. And, and they send the quiet friend, and he opens that door, which hits Christian Slater in the face, and he falls backwards <laughs> down the stairs.
2: <laughs> he just goes down, and he just gets the fucking... the the rings off the body and he's like he's clearly got blood all over him when he goes back in and he's like got the
1: rings (laughs) (laughs) oh
2: fuck this movie's insane
1: so this is the first time I've ever watched it oh really I'm having more fun talking about it than I did watching it I think
3: really well that's because it was stressful watching it
1: (laughs) I, I wasn't stressed out but I was very much having a yep this is definitely a late 90s movie yeah there's some truth to that (laughs) there's the some of the editing especially at the beginning when they're doing coke in vegas
2: oh the the vegas montage for me is not like the the party montage is not particularly well done i can especially like wrong but i think see i could have sworn and once again this is
3: my something's wrong with my memory about what happened to christian slater because i could have sworn when they were filming this movie it was something where he was in jail and they were letting him out on the weekends to shoot the movie maybe i don't know but once again i whenever i looked up him going to jail the only record i ever found was him going to
2: jail for 10 days so that doesn't make any sense Well, you can i didn't know, did it say 10 days in a row maybe they day in day out filming this day in day out filming this i don't know maybe
3: i don't know it's just something weird because oh, I thought this was his comeback movie after he had got in all that trouble and then it didn't do super well.
1: Uh, so looking at, the, looking at the trivia, apparently Adam Sandler was supposed to play Jeremy Piven's role in this movie, but dropped out to do the, the Waterboy instead.
3: I oh, don't Jesus. know if that was a good decision or a bad decision. Oh, yeah. So the Waterboy clearly made him a bajillion fucking dollars. But at the same time, I know he's always wanted to do more serious stuff, which clearly he's capable of, and just nobody's interested in for some reason.
1: Um, let's well, see. Al- Alan Dershowitz, the then-respected Harvard law professor, this this piece of
2: trivia says. I like the then-respected. I respect. Uh,
1: he had a column for a few few years in the late '90s with Premiere magazine, in which he analyzed possible legal issues arising from new movies. Uh, in this film's case, Dershowitz said there's a strong case can be made that the prostitute's death was an accident or involuntary manslaughter. Though the huge amount of drugs in the suite would complicate that and would leave the guys open to major prison time via the DEA. However, he said that all the men would be charged with first degree murder anyway because of the deliberate stabbing death of the hotel security guard. Yeah, of course.
2: Yeah, it... Yeah, the the hooker is the only like one where you're like, it's a pure accident. And so now your biggest concern is being caught with cocaine, which is personal use cocaine. I don't know that Vegas cops crack down on people who have cocaine for personal use in their hotel rooms.
3: I can't remember in the 90s if they had started yet or not. But Vegas is actually getting pretty hardcore about that and has been for a while. Like they come down hard whenever they catch people doing stuff because they're trying to clean up that reputation of people coming there to do whatever
2: the fuck they want. I was in Vegas in 2009 and there was not a shortage of drug use in that town, <laughs> town at that point. I can say that.
3: Or oh, I'm, or, not, I'm not saying that they've done any headway in getting rid of the drugs. I'm saying that whenever they have a reason to charge you, they tend to charge you as hard as they can.
2: All right.
1: Uh, and apparently the the line where they ask Christian Slater, "Have you done this before?" is the same thing that was asked of him and Heather's when he's trying to cover up an accidental suicide that he manipulated. Yep. Nice. Uh, nothing about Christian Slater being in jail and having to work on weekends.
3: Yeah. Like I said, I I think something's just wrong with my memory. I've got a wire crossed somewhere and something about Christian Slater's past <laughs> is completely inaccurate in my head. Are you not like getting – And I have to be confusing him with another actor. Probably Robert Downey Jr. They were always in headlines together back in the day. Now, see, but it, but it wasn't Robert Downey Jr. Because Robert Downey Jr., I know his whole thing. And his comeback movie was Iron Man of all fucking things.
1: Yeah, talk about a fucking turnaround story.
3: Right. Zero, zero, fucking 60. Off, right? off, the, <laughs> off the map for 20 years and then coming back to being the fucking the biggest thing since fucking slicing
1: bread all of a sudden. Yeah. Just fucking keep seeing news reports of him in that orange jumpsuit. Like, ah, fucking down, he got arrested again. And all of a sudden, like one of the highest paid actors in Hollywood who everybody loves to death. Yeah.
2: Well, I don't I think, think most of I'm trying right. uh, I don't want to speak out of turn, but I, I think like he mostly got arrested for like drug use and shit. I don't think much of it was oh, yeah, like, yeah. anything that he never hurt anybody else. Right.
1: No, no, no. But I think people started to write him off. I think yeah. they just figured he was oh, yeah, going to, yeah. he's going to be one of those people we're going to see, you know, Downey dies of drug overdose at age 35 or something. Yeah. So it's just kind of crazy that it's like going from, well, he's going to die soon. So we probably don't need to worry about him to yeah one of the one of the highest paid actors well respected built an entire franchise off of his one movie
3: i I will say this too about this movie it reminds me that it's criminal that daniel stern's career isn't bigger than what it's always been (laughs) he's
1: always great oh he is
3: he's always fucking fantastic why the fuck isn't he like tom hanks level famous
2: well, I don't, I don't know. Maybe he chooses to only work
3: every so often. Mm-hmm. I, have, I have a hard time believing that that's
2: accurate. <laughs> what? <laughs> what do you know about Daniel Stern that I don't know? He killed a hooker in Vegas? Oh, yeah. Killer. It's his little brother.
1: Okay, well, then he covered up for his little brother.
2: I kept waiting for the joke about how, like... Jeremy Piven's character is just a little brother and was only there because, like, mom made made us bring him, kind of thing. <laughs> and they never went there. I'm like, because it really is one of those ones where you're like, okay, so if he's Daniel Stern's little brother, all those other guys are clearly more friends with Daniel Stern. So he is literally just like the add on guy, or like, all right, we'll bring him. And it's like, if Zach Gallup and Akifis there had killed somebody in the hangover. You know what I mean? You're like, but you weren't even supposed to be here, really. (laughs) Yeah, I'm looking at Daniel Stern's IMDb.
1: Like, he works just about every year. Like, he's consistently had projects every year since, like, like, 1980. Since 1979. But, yeah, like, there's nothing. Straight to video
3: fucking kids movies and uh he does like one-off episodes of TV shows all the time.
2: But like maybe he works on stage or something also possible. Just does this stuff like once a year to like get the paycheck kind of thing. Maybe. I
3: don't know. I don't know. It's just it's it's amazing that every time he's in a movie he's so great. And then you see something random like whenever he does like a funnier die sketch or he puts up some random fucking YouTube thing as a joke and it's fucking hilarious.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's good. People do, do behind the scenes stuff. Maybe I was just looking at his acting credits.
3: Jeremy yeah. Piven, on the other hand, <laughs>
1: just,
3: uh, <laughs> I mean, Jeremy, so- <laughs> Jeremy Piven deserves to be where Jeremy Piven is.
1: <laughs> I used to love him so much until you know the internet came around and we could tell each other how horrible people are in real
2: life. And it's just like, oh, I just I still just think of him as the um, the guy from PCU. Oh, that PC is, is great. I fucking love that movie. Yeah. P- PCU, Airheads,
1: and Judgment Night for me is one is one of his big ones. Oh yeah.
3: Oh, and I was gonna say in the goods because the goods is so fucking funny.
1: Yeah, I didn't see that one.
3: Oh my god, the one where he plays a used car
1: salesman. Fuck me, that movie's yeah. funny. That was funny. I haven't seen that since theaters. I just remember they were promoting it on Monday Night Raw, and he mis, he he misnamed SummerSlam, called it SummerFest, and that got a lot of a lot of uh, goodwill with the wrestling audience. That's for sure. <laughs> the
3: next the next week, there's people with signs that say "Kill Jeremy
1: Piven." <laughs> yeah, but Ken Jong took a. Uh, Attitude adjustment from John Cena. So that was fun. That is pretty dope. All right. So how do we feel about very bad things? People watch it. I mean, it's not
3: it's not a bad movie. It's just such a particular type of chaotic, tragic kind of. I don't it's it's a comedy, but it is a comedy in the darkest way I can think and I normally like dark humor, but this is almost mean humor, if that makes sense. It's, it's so specific.
2: Yeah, it, it is. This is a mean spirited film. Like the film is mean to every person in it and to the audience that's watching it. I really like it. I definitely think people would enjoy it. (laughs) I'm just when, when fucking
3: Allie, the wife, bites fucking Christian Slater's balls and she latches on so fucking hard. I don't know why, but it's one of the best things that's (laughs) ever fucking happened on film. Because yeah. in especially in the 90s, in an era of, I mean, they were they still had a lot of the 80s problems of female victimization in movies and just the fact that she fucks his life up before he manages to kill her.
1: <laughs> yeah, I feel like it's how do, I, how do I explain this? So I feel like the 90s, especially mid to late 90s had a uh, Tarantino problem wherever everybody wanted to make a Tarantino movie yeah and I feel like this is writing that but they're not exactly doing the Tarantino thing they're just doing the very dark sort of story and then adding some comedic elements into it but then like I said there's that other problematic like late 90s editing and shit that they do but it's it's like a weird like a mag magulation or or a combination of all of, of like bad shit that people were doing in the 90s it works out like okay for itself for the most part but like this being a first time watch for me i was just like oh shit yeah this is this is definitely a 1998 movie that's that's trying to look like fun and and uh hip and indie and stuff yeah
3: I suppose yeah. you should also say all the performances are great.
2: I think so. Even yeah.
3: even Jeremy Piven puts in a pretty fucking serious performance. And normally I don't think of him as like a dramatic actor in any way. He's got good comedic timing and he's good at being loud and mean. But like in this movie, whenever after he kills that hooker and he walks out, there's a scene where it kind of like lingers on his face. And it's the exact look is uh, coked out of your brain and sad like (laughs) and and he fucking nails it like (laughs) like you know you know exactly all the horrible things that are in his head at that exact
2: moment yeah I I, I think there's a number of moments in this where these guys have to do sort of more subtle things and they all pull it off which is pretty impressive considering how over the top most of the film is
1: so we do have two pieces of feedback which is very weird to say on this show
2: well one of those is from three weeks ago
1: yes that's also
2: true yes there have been Uh, multiple delays in our recording schedule and then we just forgot last week so
1: yep Yep. Uh, so Jeffrey wrote in said hey guys long time listener first time emailer yeah you could have emailed like five months ago we probably still would have forgot um (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> was, was listening to the Frozen Vampires episode and went to look up the cast of 30 Days a Night to see if I'd correctly guessed who Ben Foster was. Side note, I did. Good for you. I love Ben Foster. <laughs> Me too. On the same Google page, I came across this gem and thought Doug would especially appreciate the continued devolution? De- 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 devolution. Devolution. Of human intelligence. I made that word more complicated than it had to be. You did. Uh, hits especially hard when you guys talked about the comic book connection. Cheers, Jeffrey. And he sent a screenshot in.
2: And it's awesome.
1: And it's a Google search. <laughs> and it shows the cast. And then it said, people also ask, is 30 Days of Night a true story?
2: <laughs> read, <laughs> read, read the first line of the official response.
1: Although the movie is... And then in bold says, not completely based upon a real story. <laughs> it is most certainly a very real fear for many people who actually live in the Alaskan town of
2: Barrow.
1: <laughs> the small town, most certainly the idea of vampires taking advantage of the. Po- yeah, yeah, that's.
2: No, no, Jesus no it's Christ. not based on a true story. I Good do, Lord. I, I, did you guys know that? it used to be a thing of mine is I would watch the credits to horror movies just because at the end when it says like any uh, connection to people real or 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 is, uh, is unintentional or whatever it says that little blurb that legal blurb they put at the end so you can't sue them for stealing your story so I used like, to watch that right. watch and the they put that shit at
3: the, the end g- of like ginger dead man <laughs> Yeah,
2: so I would always, I always watched it just so I could read that and laugh. That was my favorite thing, and it turns out that in the online world, that you can just Google for that shit. You don't have to wait till the end of the movie. Okay. So,
3: I I suppose my snarky joke isn't that good because if somebody told me that Gary Busey dressed up like a fucking gingerbread man and murdered twenty people, I'd be like, oh yeah, sounds about right.
1: Yeah, yeah you, wouldn't
3: even, you wouldn't even fact check that one. Was Charles Band involved? Charles Band was involved. <laughs>
1: did, you ever, did you ever go to a convention with Charles Band and see him talk about meeting Gary Busey to do this movie? No. Apparently Gary, Gary Busey kept calling it their little cookie movie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really excited. We're going to do this cookie movie together.
2: Mm. Uh, fucking love that yeah apparently he worked on the movie for like four days the conversation between Charles Band and Gary Busey would be just amazing <laughs> what's my motivation <laughs> I don't really
3: uh, you're, you're a fucking killer cookie dude <laughs> no go run <laughs> past those tits uh,
1: I forgot we're not allowed to be we're not allowed to enjoy Gary Busey anymore either
2: listen if Anyone surprised that Gary Busey behaved inappropriately? You just haven't been paying attention. <laughs> it's, it's fucking Gary Busey. No one's allowed I, to be surprised. I don't even know what he did. I don't need to know. I'm sure I can guess if I try hard enough. But I don't know. I
3: think, can you? I think we're still allowed to watch Gary Busey movies because – he's clearly mentally ill and has been for a long time now. <laughs> Never, oh yeah. yeah, since yeah his
2: motorcycle accident. Yeah. There, there's an obvious discussion that should be had about how Hollywood has been abusing Gary Busey for like 20 something years now. <laughs> and yeah. how like his family should step in and get help. But instead his son just uses his name to get roles in movies. <laughs> oh, don't blame Jake. Jake's a I'm good guy. Blaming Jake. I don't know that Jake's a good guy either. i be careful never say that about a celebrity hmm. it'll blow up <laughs> next week we'll be you'll be retracting that statement maybe but
1: speaking of pcu he plays one of the hippies
2: he's awesome he does yeah
1: i gotta watch he's, pcu again
2: he's one of the main hippie guys like one of john favreau's friends yeah
3: i say oh, you I don't you. want to piss off jake Busey because he'll come at you with them teeth <laughs> That dude is 75%
2: tooth. Yeah. He might be coming at me with those teeth right now. He doesn't even have to leave his house to come at me with his teeth. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Gary Busey apparently was at a convention and
1: uh, thought he was being funny and apparently inappropriately groped a couple of underage girls
2: during, uh, a, photo, during a photo op. And that's frowned upon, is it? Yes, usually. Wait, sorry, did that just happen or is this an allegation of something that happened a long time ago? Uh,
1: no, within the past month. And so once it, it, once it, the uh, convention was informed about it, they basically kicked him out of the hotel. Okay. And he, oh, was, the, he was then arrested by the police for it. So,
2: yeah, well, I mean, it's you grow up an underage girl, you can get arrested, but yeah. it seems right. I don't know. Yeah.
3: yeah. Bad I, decisions made about Gary Busey. I just
1: remember being like, oh, Gary, no. I know you probably thought you were being hilarious and telling some weird joke or something.
3: <laughs> speaking, no. of, speaking of bad decisions about people who probably shouldn't work in the movie industry anymore, did you guys see there, there's another Cheaper Scrapers movie being fucking made?
1: Uh, there is, but the main guy's not, The Victor Salva's not involved with it.
3: Yeah, but does Victor Salva get a paycheck from
1: it? I don't know. That's what I've wondered, so that's why I'm still not gonna watch it, because I don't know if he's signed over or anything, but. Uh,
2: Got to separate, separate the art from the artist.
1: That's what you need to look at. I know but I, know, but yeah, I sometimes... know, but there's
2: a difference. So there's a
3: difference between. Uh, here we a, go. So, well, once again, there's a difference between a piece of art that exists that has connections to a dude. That's a piece of shit. And actively supporting the career of that piece of shit on an ongoing basis uh, i disagree
1: the the other problem is he molested a child on the set of a movie
2: yeah exactly so I yeah enjoy. i don't I, i'm not defending any of his behavior i'm just saying if you're not going to watch movies because pieces of shit worked on them then throw out your entire physical collection. Don't delete your your uh, digital ones, Brian, because I still want them. <laughs> but, like, there's so many people in all these movies. There's pieces of garbage on all of them. Guess what? There's pieces of shit at the places where both of you guys work that have done these terrible things. And you're not quitting your jobs over it. You're still staying there and taking oh. your paychecks. And uh, you... There's pieces of shit that live on your street. That There just is. People are fucking horrible. Well, People do horrible fucking things. And you can't avoid it. So... Right. I agree. I'm completely hypocritical about it. Like, I still enjoy Chinatown,
1: even though Roman Polanski's not... Mm-hmm. He's kind of a horrible person, but... And
2: he's, he's made absolutely... He's... he's done one of the worst things you can do and he's evaded any consequences for it and he has made some great movies since doing it so what do you do
1: yeah i don't watch those movies i just watch Chinatown.
3: yeah yeah i was gonna say once again there's a difference between things that existed and Uh, supporting ongoing criminality
1: i disagree yeah fair enough we do have another piece of feedback yeah, what's happening? Uh, from our Jacob's Ladder in the Cell episode, Andy. That was so long ago.
2: And, I can't remember when that happened. I just can't believe how much feedback we generated from that episode. This is like the third piece, oh, which is right. 85% of the feedback we've gotten this year. So,
1: uh, Andy commented on the website, which I do not recommend because I don't check it very often. Um, luckily, the website decided to email me that I had a new comment. Thanks. <laughs> Uh, he says it's been a while since I commented and I'm weeks behind on your podcast but I do have other things that use up some of my time it's not acceptable needlessly snarky uh, just what I'm just kidding Andy I don't really care just wanted <laughs> to say that I agree with Noah's interpretation of Jacob's Ladder as amazing as this might seem doesn't usually side with you on anything Noah nobody does I just, I. Why?
3: Why do I feel so abused all the time? I feel like I bring nothing but enthusiasm, love, and then soul-crushing
1: pessimism to this podcast. Can't stop. It. Um. He says it's been a long time since I saw it, but I never since I saw it, but never thought it was supposed to be. All in his mind. Yeah,
2: so he didn't rewatch the movie, so his opinion's not relevant. Nobody agrees oh. with Noah still.
1: <laughs> uh, also wanted to recommend The 13th Floor is one of my favorite Vincent D'Onofrio movies. Yeah, An- Another cool mindfuck of a movie with good cast all around. Um, yeah, I still haven't watched that one.
2: It's been on my watch list since it was new, which is like the late 90s, I believe. <laughs>
1: Because I think this one and Dark City both got overshadowed by The Matrix when it came out.
2: Yeah. Yet I've seen Dark City many times. Yeah. Dark City is
1: yeah. amazing.
3: And 13th Floor spun off a whole bunch of other movies with really? the basically the same concept that once once people realized that there was some kind of a superstitious thing where a couple buildings didn't have a 13th Floor because it was considered unlucky, about a million movies were made a short period of time It's just it's kind of like when that one asteroid movie came out and then all the asteroid <laughs> movies came out
1: <laughs> um he says also if you ever get a chance check out his guest appearance on homicide life on the street from 1997 the subway it's about a man pinned between a subway car and the curb with a mortal wound but the pressure on his midsection keeps him from bleeding out but if they try to unpin him, he's dead in a very short amount of time. An amazing episode of television that's incredibly well acted. Thanks for continuing to cast. I might be behind, but
2: I do listen to them all eventually. Thanks, Andy. That sounds like a surprisingly interesting episode of television that right? I'm probably never going to watch still. But I've never seen Homicide Life on the Street. I have no idea if it's regularly a good show or not. But um. I mean, it's... A, it's that was an episode
3: hom- of television that's been aped a whole bunch of times in comedy stuff. Yeah, but
2: I'm assuming the show is not a comedy. This homicide show?
1: No, it isn't. No. They also did that in uh, science, right? That's correct, yeah. Uh, and that's all the feedback we got. What did everybody watch since last episode? I watched
3: a couple things. Uh, last weekend, I went to the the movie theater for a little double feature day since some movie times worked out. Uh, and I saw the invitation, which is a pretty stock standard vampire movie. I guess. <laughs> like,
2: I think it looks pretty good on the by the trailer. Does it? Yeah, it's it's fine. Yeah. Uh,
3: the the only problem I have with it is they don't really do a lot of vampire-y stuff until the very end of the movie, and then all of a sudden it turns into this like weird vampire battle like. <laughs> I don't know. It, it's just a big tonal shift in the movie.
1: So, are they flying in the air? And then one of them says, my blood is in your veins. And then the other one says, so is mine. And then they like fight in the air. Cause that if, happened. You know, when, that happened to lost boys. And that was, awesome.
3: that is, that is not hugely off. No flying. Oh, stupid lack of flying. Any but, mullets? I mean, I won't keep. So, I'm I'm trying to think I, I I don't know if I can explain this movie without spoiling the few things that could that be spoiled.
1: So don't explain it. Just say
3: yeah, air so air. so I won't do that. It's 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 a familiar vampire story told in a completely different way from a different mm-hmm. perspective.
1: Is it based on a true story? Mm.
2: <laughs> Thank you, Brian. <laughs> <laughs>
3: It is it is clearly based off of something, but I can't tell you what it's based off of because that's one of the few things that kind of spoils it. So. Oh,
1: OK.
3: But yeah. So, I mean, it's not it's not not worth a watch. It's just not I didn't I wasn't like blown away or anything. It's not earth shattering. It's a vampire movie. Uh, and then I watched 3000 Years of Longing. Mm-hmm. With uh, oh, That looks good. Tilda Swinton and Idris Elba directed by fucking George Miller. I fucking love me some George Miller
1: hmm
3: and it is strange
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs> strange is where i would go i've heard it's a little disjointed but yeah i don't i don't even understand how to fucking explain it to people so half this movie is an anthology movie and then it stops being an anthology movie and becomes a romance Movie and the whole thing is a fairy tale, but right. modernized. So modernized fairy tale, I don't, it's real hard to explain. And then, especially toward the end, it it really goes off the fucking rails with some of the the visuals and the way it's edited. And I don't I don't know. So you know, it's Tilda Swinton, so performance good, right? And Edris Elba, performance good. George George Miller things look cool but I don't know if this is actually a great movie or not <laughs> maybe I need to watch it again I have mixed feelings I mean like so part of part of it is that Tilda Swinton's character is a narratologist she she studies story structures and they use the word narratologist 500 fucking times in this movie <laughs> and there is something Holy art housey and fucking irritating about that—that that I did not expect in a George Miller movie. I—I I, I was kind of like, "Ooh, modern fairy tale. This is going to be fun." And instead, it's like, "Yeah, this comes off a little pretentious."
1: Yeah, right. I mean, it is Tilda Swinton, so I mean, right? <laughs> right. <is kinda laughs> right. Way, I should have suspected.
3: I yeah, I should have suspected
1: pretentious with Tilda Swinton in it. Plus, she's doing uh, what we do in the shadows.
3: Yeah. Well, and there's also so. The movie starts by suggesting that perhaps she's either going crazy or or there's something wrong with her or maybe she's got something special with her that's allowing her to attune to some supernaturally things. And that's all brought up in the opening of the movie. And then, never fucking addressed again, like she finds the genie, and then they never bring up the fact that she may or may not have seen other gins. So why bring that up at the beginning?
2: Yeah, it mm-hmm. seems like they dropped like something that maybe maybe should have mattered. And then when they decided not to make it matter, they forgot to edit it all the way out of the movie. That's almost what it sounds like to me,
3: right. yeah, it's it's yeah, it's it's disjointed and it's weird. like I said, not a bad, not a bad story. The visuals are cool. I just don't know. I got to watch it again to decide if it's good or not. I think that I was kind of so shocked with it not being what I was expecting it to be that maybe that threw me off. But that's it. That's all I had time for.
2: What did you watch, Doug? I had a really good week when it came to watching movies this week. Mm -hmm. Um, I stumbled across Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer Part 2. (laughs) which I'd never seen before. Right. And so I'm like, I've kind of always wanted to see it because the first one is good. And I was like, I really want to see it. So I watched that except I kind of just fell asleep like 20 minutes in and it wasn't good enough for me to bother turning back on. So I just went (laughs) to bed when I woke up. (laughs) So I I can't even really comment on the movie. High endorsement. I was like, Nothing had happened by the time I fell asleep. <laughs> but I was still in the mood for something kind of like grimy and like violent. So I watched this movie called uh, Cleveland Abduction, which is like based on that guy that like kidnapped three women and kept him in his house for a long time in Cleveland, which like of all the places to be kidnapped, Cleveland. Fuck. <laughs> um, but... Yeah, so it's like it starts out, you know, with he kidnaps the first girl and he's got her trapped in there and he's like torturing her and stuff. And I don't know. Then I paused it because I was going to do something, and I'm like, nah, I'm not turning that back on. So I don't (laughs) have anything to say about that movie either. Jesus.
1: (laughs) Uh, Um, What do you got against Cleveland?
2: You ever been there? Uh,
1: The outskirts.
2: Go to Cleveland sometime. I was
1: just—I was informed by a popular television show that Cleveland rocks.
2: Yeah. So there are many, many neighborhoods in Cleveland that are so dilapidated that they should probably be torn down. But what the city has done instead is erected walls along the highway, so you just can't see them if you're passing by. <laughs> um, I can't speak to like today because it's been a while, but every time I've been there, I'm f- – fascinated by how empty their downtown is. You're just like walking along and it's just empty storefront after empty storefront after empty storefront. There's like, they have their big like stadium area downtown where like, cause that way they figure people that can generate business and it's still dead around there. It's just a really depressing place. And the rock and roll hall of fame sucks. Don't waste your time going there. Well, so. I was informed by an, by a
1: movie that their sports team sucks. Yeah. I haven't won a pen in a long
2: time. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it's just it's just it's just a depressing depressing place cuz of how terrible it is and how terrible everybody's lives there are. And like they keep they're like, "Yeah, but home of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame." And then you go to it and you're like, "This is a below average <laughs> museum." Like it's like I guess they must get that like one good concert a year when they have the inductions, but other than that, it's like there's nothing there worth the effort of going to cleveland for Hmm. so cleveland cleveland's not recommend and the movie was just i don't know it was just a cash in on a news story it wasn't no attempt whatsoever to make a movie from what i could tell maybe it changes in the second half i don't know
3: oh i'll add uh doug's comments in -hmm. ohio cedar point is all right and the Mm -hmm. entire rest of that state is shit oh i disagree columbus i like It's not Alabama bad. That's not great.
2: Poor Agoro. Columbus, Columbus, Ohio is actually a really nice city. Surprisingly strong, uh, support for their hockey team. Lots of Tim Hortons (laughs) locations. That's why he likes it. It's basically Canada light. It it is. It's. I I had a lot of fun. The one time I went to Columbus. I
3: guess Dayton's all right. If you like
2: Dave Chappelle, never been never <laughs> been to Dayton, Ohio, where there's like a Bowling Green, Ohio, where there's like a college that has like a really good uh, hockey team as well. So it's a it's a good town as well. Anything that I can associate with hockey. That's <laughs> it's what I'm <laughs> what I like about states.
1: All right, did you watch something that wasn't based in Cleveland. Nope.
2: Those, those two attempts to watch movies that turned into failures because I couldn't finish them. That's all I had time for this week, which is really depressing. Well, mine's super good.
1: Uh, the only thing I watched because I was on a family trip over Labor Day is I discovered yesterday. The Jaws was still in the theater because I thought it was just for Labor Day weekend. Oh, so did I my friend texted me, He's was like, hey, you want to go see Jaws tonight in IMAX? And I was like, fuck yes, I do. That's just Uh, a stupid question, quite frankly. Yep. So I went and saw Jaws in IMAX. And it's... Isn't it fun? It's controversial, but man, that's an amazing movie. Yeah, for (laughs) real.
2: How crazy
3: crazy would it be if you were like, saw it in IMAX and... It finally finally ruined it.
2: (laughs) 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 It's good on a shitty VHS, but IMAX, fuck that. Jaws is actually one of those movies, though, that I think does improve when you watch it in better formats. Because, like, I remember the first time seeing it um, just on, like, a decent-sized TV after years of watching, like, a VHS that was taped off TV on, like, a, you know, a 36-inch, you know, full-screen version. And then finally sitting down and watching it on a widescreen television in, like... I think it was just DVD quality at that time and going, oh, this is so much better than I thought it was. (laughs) Like those, those ocean shots and that are so much more effective. And then that just is amplified when you put it into IMAX. So,
1: Mm. Yeah, it was gorgeous. And, uh, you know, I just sat there just taking it in, just thinking to myself, it's amazing how much of a miracle this movie is since we live in the future, we know like everything that went wrong with the movie mm-hmm. and you just look at it and you're like, God, this movie is amazing.
2: I don't care about any of what went wrong.
1: Oh no, it was destined to go wrong.
2: Because yeah.
1: if, if it all went right, this movie wouldn't be nearly not as good. Yeah, I agree. So it's, it's just, like I said, it's a miracle. It's just came together the exact way it should have and works perfectly.
2: Yeah. It, it's it's the closest thing to a perfect movie we have. I'm sure you can nitpick flaws in it if you choose to. I choose not to. Um it, it, it's it's it, I don't know. It's hard to even find ways to describe how good Jaws is. Now um, I just want to watch the
3: it's it's as good, if not better, than Robocop. That's the best <laughs> com- <laughs> that's the best
1: comparison I can make. <laughs> Uh uh It did make me want to watch because somewhere I have a burned DVD of the Sharksploitation cut. Someone re re edited it to make it more like an old grindhousey type movie.
2: I I do want to see that. Yeah. Should put that on the list. Put that on the list so I have no choice but to watch it.
1: Right. Um, so my friend that I went and saw it with, uh he of course has seen it before, but He's the one I'm still showing a bunch of shit to that he's never seen. So I asked him, like, have you seen the other Jaws movies? And he's like, no. I was like, well, you're coming over at some point. We're just watching some Jaws movies. Yeah.
2: Two, three, three, four, and five.
1: I don't know if we'll go five. We'll
2: see. (laughs) You're like, I want to do that to him, but I'm not sure if I want to do that to myself.
1: I at least have the other three on Blu-ray. I don't know about five. But Yeah. So I told him, like, yeah, you got to watch it. I'm like, the second one's, you know, not nearly as good as the first one, but, you know, it's got its moments. The third one was shot in 3D. (laughs) So it plays pretty much horribly because uh, you can't watch it in 3D. And then uh, the fourth one, a shark uh, outraces a plane. It's great.
2: (laughs) So he's excited. Yeah, that fourth one is bit rough. (laughs) i actually really like three i think like yes the effects are drastically hurt by the fact that it's intended to be 3d and it's not but Mm -hmm. i I think the actual movie is fun yeah i love the setting so yep i love setting in like a sea world-esque sort of park i think that's perfect yeah the whole thing with people being trapped underwater and stuff i just i think it's all fun those juniors uh, perfectly cast like it's
1: I'm gonna say plus it's got Louis Gossett Jr. in it, and we've yeah. we've said he makes everything better. So Um Oh Noah finally caught up with She-Hulk. Oh yeah? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Did you uh did you throw a giant tantrum and uh internet rage over She-Hulk twerking like everybody I every just, other guy? You know what the funny thing is, so before
3: I got caught up, I was up at the game store playing some gas lands and shit, and somebody was up there bitching about it. And he goes, oh, you know, I saw it on YouTube and there's this fucking 10 minute scene of her twerking. And I was like, really? I can't believe they did that. And then I watched it. It's fucking 15 seconds and it's yeah. in the mid credit scene. I was like, what it's the fuck is anybody even talking yeah. about? It's nothing. It's
1: three seconds of her dancing. Yeah. That's with Megan Thee Stallion. Right. It, like, it's it, it's not like she's just twerking on her own in her
2: office. Yeah, and that that whoever that singer is is like been in the storyline the whole time. So to have, I assume that's the singer that shows up in the twerking scene. scene. Okay, (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) That was the part I took from it. Was like, oh, so that name they've been dropping is the name of an actual person. Okay, that's how far removed I am when it comes to pop culture.
3: (laughs) She's she's one of the
1: singers on uh, WAP. (laughs) No, that doesn't
2: help me. Cardi B song. I know that name. What does WAP stand for, Doug? I mean, I know what it stood for in Mobsters, but <laughs> no, <laughs> no. I'm assuming no. not nope. the same thing.
1: Do nope. you want to tell them now? Uh,
2: they got them coming for that wet
3: ass pussy.
2: <laughs> oh, WAP with an A. I was spelling it with an O. That's why I couldn't nope. guess. Yeah. Yep. All right. Well, that sounds like a really intelligent song that I thoroughly enjoyed listening to.
1: So. <laughs>
2: It's I'll the g- kind where you, you're you frustrated what? that when you download it, it doesn't come with lyric sheets anymore. You can't follow along. <laughs> I'm, to
3: I'm normally not a fan of like that style of music or those kind of overtly just sexual for sex sake songs. That one's actually
1: pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> it's on concert yeah, rotation in Noah's house. Um, but yeah, her twerking apparently set off incels everywhere and angered them on the internet. People are just sitting around looking for excuses to be angry. Don't worry about them.
3: Right? Yeah, if that if that upsets you, just fuck you to the end of the earth.
2: The whole thing of the plotline of the fucking Asgardian who can shapeshift and is just using it to con people. Was pretty fucking fun though. <laughs> like I, I really enjoyed when she pretended to be the judge and just was like, "In second thought, I'd like to dismiss the case." And, then,
1: <laughs> <laughs> and they look over like,
2: "Where is she?" I, 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 I really enjoyed that plot line. I really enjoyed the interactions between that like sleazy guy and all the women lawyers who were just like, "Fuck, we got to represent this piece of junk." Yeah, <laughs> like, it ba- was all ba- fun.
1: Basically, their defense was, "Yes, Your Honor, he is." So gross and so self absorbed, he did think he was actually dating Megan style
2: The uh,
3: the Wong and abomination stuff was predominantly oh, to you.
2: I like Wong's that. Great. Like, uh, when Wong, when they tell Wong and he might be arrested, and he just kind of goes, Okay, I gotta go. And he just <laughs> must, himself out of there, I must depart. And I'm like, uh, it's classic. <laughs> he's it like, also, have, like I thought have you it, heard of uh... Camartage? <laughs> I liked the, um, the explanation for abomination being in Shang-Chi, too, though. I thought that made sense. It's simple, it's not overcomplicated. It's just, meh, had to prove myself, had to fight somebody. Why not him?
1: <laughs> and he's like, I didn't want to leave myself, but hey, you know, I came back. So it's a I really do- interesting question
3: they they've been on a roll, and this is not a good thing. Of turning good villains into jokes, though, which That's a I'm problem. not It's not good because there's sure. no there's no recovering from that. Who well, else
1: have they done it to? Your well,
3: Abominations now a joke. They originally turned the Mandarin into a joke, and they only avoided that by saying it's a different dude. Wrecking crew yeah. they turned into a joke.
2: Yeah the abomination thing, though, I just I don't think he was coming back, regardless. right. so I think like you you get him in for a little cameo like this, and you make a joke about it, fine, but otherwise he's not coming back either way, so it doesn't hurt anything.
1: yeah, the rumor is he's going to be in Thunderbolts, so oh really yeah since they're putting in like they're almost like their dark Avengers team together, yeah, like he'll be the Hulk on the team essentially, yeah.
2: But, see I, I like him as that but you have to bring him back to being more the character he was in the Incredible Hulk than the character he was yeah. in this no it might be making a good point then
1: yeah we'll see it's just a rumor not confirmed
3: yeah well and in the comic books like Thor has a very select group of good villains mm-hmm. in the wrecking crew are in there and I can't believe you would just throw the wrecking
2: crew away like that who are the wrecking crew
3: so they're the ones who jump her at the end of the last episode that she makes the joke about. Did you rob an Asgardian construction worker?
0: And they oh, basically okay.
3: say, yeah, <laughs>
0: that's
3: exactly what we did in In the comic books. What it is, is Loki is doing his usual Loki shit and he tricks Odin into imbuing a bunch of construction items with uh, basically molnir level power, which he then gives to a bunch of random mortals who, of course, instantly become supervillains because that's what most people would do if they <laughs> picked up a crowbar <laughs> that let them smash brick walls. But yeah, yeah, that's pretty much them in the comic books. And in, in the comic books, they are always played up as they're just dumb. They're just in possession of psychotically powerful stuff. But I don't know the fact that she just like beats them all in like three seconds with all their gear on them. It's like okay, well, <laughs> now they're a bunch of dumb bitches. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she can throw that. I don't know. That they might be kill group in the toilet.
1: I'd be able to come back. We'll see.
3: Well, I'm assuming they're going to be recurring bad guys, but <laughs> damage, like I said, damage is done once you once you turn a bad guy into a joke like that. I just don't see how you ever make them not a joke.
2: You could give them a backstory where they had just gotten those weapons now, and then this motivates them to go become better bad guys because.
1: Or they could pull a Dr. Light with them, for those that don't know. Uh, Dr. Light was kind of a jokey villain in Justice League. And they had a storyline where they revealed that the reason he's such a jokey villain is because they mind wiped him multiple times because. Like, raped one of the superheroes or something, superheroes' wives
3: probably don't need to go that dark with it.
1: Probably not need to go that dark, but I mean, they turned him from like this goofy, cartoony character into like holy shit, like one of the dar- darkest like villains that the Justice League had for a while. Like, they went like Purple Man level with him. That's
3: what, sort of, like I said, it's just weird. I don't. I think part of the reason why I'm a little annoyed with the Wrecking Crew thing is the fact that the first couple Thor movies they fucked up so bad with wasting good storylines instead of just doing something interesting. They were so dry and boring. Like Wrecking Crew probably should have been the first movie. Beta Ray Bill probably should have been the second movie. Loki probably should have been the third movie.
2: So on and so forth. I think sometimes you forget that not everyone wants to see a Beta right Bill movie. They weren't ready when they were making the first couple Thor movies for that. I just I,
3: I think everyone is wrong if they say that. Okay. Because the reason why Beta Ray Bill is good is not because the character Beta Ray Bill is great, it's because that story is actually it's a really, really good, easily understandable but,
2: story. But they have to sell that story to a mainstream audience. I mean, people. is that a hard
3: sell? Yes. A guy people, looks a guy looks monstrous. Dumb. You assume he's monstrous. We know that only the worthy can pick up the hammer. He picks up the hammer. <laughs> Like I, I yeah. feel like I, I feel like a toddler understands that. But
2: you're assuming that the average moviegoer is as smart as a toddler. No, I, I suppose that's true. <laughs> like so many people write off movies as dumb without seeing them, and I mean now they could get away with it. It's not like post Guardians of the Galaxy, we've now are at a point where you can just be like, yeah, this thing talks, and they're like, all right, I'll give that a go, but. The world wasn't ready for it back then.
3: Maybe. I don't know. See, I feel like you could have it would have had more impact back then before the normies started getting into the comic book stuff. Because I think that a, a Joe Bob off the street doesn't know who the fuck Beta Ray Bill is. I agree. But I think now
2: I think people do. You think so? No, you know, I don't know. You have more faith in mainstream audiences than
1: I do. I still say they missed their best uh, Stan Lee cameo ever. Uh, Age of Ultron. They're having the uh, contest to try to lift up the hammer, and then like the perfect Stan Lee cameo would be in an uh, in-credit scene where he's like dusting the furniture, just picks the hammer up, dusts underneath of it, and puts it back with like no no problem whatsoever, and then moves on with his day.
2: Yeah, that would be pretty funny. Seems very specific. Huh?
1: I don't care. It's what they should have done. Hurt. Now he's gone. It can never happen. Unless I still say replace Stan Lee with Deadpool now, but have Deadpool dress up in his costume like Stan Lee with the glasses and a
2: mustache over top of his costume.
1: <laughs> and still do Stanley cameos. And I am on board. Listen,
2: I do not want that popping up in... In my Marvel movies. nope, every single one of them.
1: no,
3: see, I keep telling everybody, th- th- I have very specific wants for Deadpool cameos, and i I just want it to be in the background and them never address it. Like something like, you know, they're having a serious conversation in the street. and if you pay attention over one of their shoulders, like he's in a taco bell getting into an argument with the cashier and like choking him over the counter or something and that's all you just see him like dive over the counter at this guy and that's it but I want that all the time in every movie there's just some random Deadpool thing that happens in the
1: background and I say let's just George Lucas it and just edit stuff like that into old Marvel movies and then you know Disney can resell them and make a shit ton more money (laughs) Deadpool riding a doobag.
3: Here's a brief glimpse of some of the truly fine pictures we've
2: scheduled in the near future. All
1: right. Next week, Slater September rolls on. But unfortunately, it's going to be a rough week, I think. Fuck.
2: (laughs) It's not reassuring (laughs) at all. (sighs) So probably
1: nobody's noticed, but I've been going decade by decade so far. So we've done 80s Christian Slater movies. No one's noticed. We We just did 90s Christian Slater's movies. All right. So this is going to be a 2000s Christian Slater movies. Alone
3: in the Dark. And, and? Fuck, that's the only 2000s one I can think of.
1: <laughs> and the direct-to-video blockbuster, Hollow Man 2.
2: Oh, Jesus. You know what? I've seen <laughs> Hollow Man 2, and I remember kind of liking it. Oh, really? I... Now I probably saw it like, yeah, like I, I probably saw it like when it was new, I probably rented it off of like a video store shelf,
0: mm.
2: which uh, I will fully say like my standards were maybe lower back then because <laughs> when you have like walk to a store and get it and bring it home, you're like, I better like this. So your brain is like not as critical.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, so should be an interesting
2: that, week. That having been said, Alone in the Dark, I remember making a conscious decision not to watch that.
1: Well, that <laughs> just, decision's just been vetoed, just, my
2: friend. Just looking at that and going, I don't see why anyone would ever want to.
1: Yeah, and I'm on vacation next week, so I guess I don't have to watch these movies. Well, I guess you don't. Oh. But you're missing out because this marks the very first Uve Bowl movie of the podcast. First and uh, last, I was I was
3: getting ready practice. to say because that was that was a two thousands video game movie was that Yui fucking bowl.
1: It sure was. I do that make you real happy, but if you're gonna be on vacation next week, I guess that's gonna make uh, me and Doug real happy.
2: No, it's not gonna make me happy at all. <laughs> well, well
1: I, I
3: say, you know me, I love I love me a bad movie, but fuck Yui bowl movies are so bad. <laughs>
1: well maybe we'll have to call in a movie and video game expert to uh sit in for this episode can you get two of
2: them so i don't have to watch that shit <laughs> who else
3: who else was in that because i remember that movie like having an okay cast in it just sucking dick
2: is it Tar- the one that has tara, tara reed, reed? In, i think like, it's glasses? got tara reed
3: and then it's got steven dorf right
1: i have no idea I've never seen it, so I was just anyways. like, I was just like, we kind of have to do it because it's Christmas. it's later September, and
2: uh, anyways, before we move on, let's just say it's not worth a watch. Yeah. Uh, Steven Dorf is in it. There's, there's like a zero percent chance that I'm going to enjoy watching that movie. <laughs> you say that we'll find
1: what's
3: out. Its, I'm looking it up, what's its rating? Current IMDb rating: two point
2: four. <laughs> <laughs> That, seem, that seems high. <laughs> Does seem high? Seems like what's what's trying what, to box some people until they give them better reviews. What is Metascore out of?
1: I have no idea. <sighs> it's uh, damn it's got a
2: Metascore nine. <laughs> and don't want, blame me blame and I want to Slater say September. that's out of a hundred this might mark the end of Slater September if this is the
1: Aww. depths that
2: we're sinking to this might mean that next year there's no Slater September just because it's not reasonable <laughs> hold on the
3: New York Times review of this movie so inept on every level you wonder why the distributor didn't release it straight to video or better toss it directly into the garbage
2: <laughs> uh, well if there's one thing we know about me i'm very forgiving of inept filmmaking so it shouldn't is be a fucking,
0: problem that is, i think
3: that
2: might be the most brutal review i've ever read in my entire life
1: the good news is both of these are streaming on tubi at least here in the states so
2: oh what if i can't find it What if it's not on TV here and then I can't find it and then I just got to show up next week and go, sorry, did my best.
1: I'll just download a copy and put it in the drive or do it as soon as we get off this recording.
2: That is illegal and unprofessional. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. The reviews for this movie
3: are so good. The Washington Post. This is a movie that is definitely for people who won. Love the video game. Two, think Slater and Dorf are imminently watchable no matter what bad movie they're in. And three, are wearing industrial strength earplugs. <laughs> <laughs> the Hollywood Reporter It's one of those rare instances of a movie being so bad that it's still bad. <laughs>
1: See, Doug, this movie this podcast opens you to so many movies you haven't
2: seen before. Fuck you, Brian.
3: <laughs> Director Yui Bull has made a cottage industry out of this kind of junk. Maybe it's time for
1: him to stop. And, and he did, so. Sorry, Doug. You better be. Even Bull <laughs> seems to lose
3: interest in making this movie halfway through. <laughs>
1: if you want Doug you can do something else while you're watching it it's fine like mushrooms or something like that (laughs) sure if that helps (sighs) the Charlotte Observer
3: Slater narrates this movie as if reading a restaurant menu and Reed seems to have learned each long sentence in small segments so that she wouldn't be overtaxed
1: (laughs) (sighs) join us next week for week three of Slater September Please remember to replace the speaker on the post when you leave the theater. And now, folks, it's time to say good night. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening
3: of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night.